Kings Insider Podcast on CSNCalifornia.com. Introducing your host, Sacramento Kings Insider, James Ham. Welcome to the CSN Kings Insider Podcast for CSN Bay Area, CSNCalifornia.com. I am your host, James Ham. Joining me as always, Mr. Aaron Bruski. He's on the line. He's here, but we're going to do something a little bit different here today. We have a couple of interviews. They aren't your typical full-length interview like we we typically do, so we're going to intro them. Uh, We're going to first touch base with Ryan Anderson of the New Orleans Pelicans, who is a unrestricted free agent coming into this summer and uh, definitely has some some interest in uh, coming home, coming home to Sacramento. So let's roll tape on Ryan Anderson first. Last time for you playing at Sleep Train Arena, <coughs> Arco Arena. Yeah, you, just say Arco. Just say Arco. No. <laughs> How does it feel to be here for the last time before this building you know, closes down? Um, it's definitely bittersweet because obviously new beginnings are great and, and to uh, – Especially go through so many years of, you know, questioning if this team was actually going to be around even, you know, to now moving on to something bigger and greater for the city and for this team and, um, you know, for the Sacramento fans. I mean, you you have a beautiful new arena getting built and, um, you know, a a team that's young and and growing and, and, you know... Um, it's an exciting time to be a Kings fan and an exciting time to live in Sacramento. And um, So, I mean, it's definitely bittersweet. I'm going to miss this arena. I have so many memories here. But, um, you know, it's time for a, a positive change, I think, for the city and for the team. How strange is it for you to have <coughs> such an allegiance to another city besides mm. the team you're playing on? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's my hometown. You know, it's different. This is a small town. Um, a lot of people... I uh, don't know much about Sacramento, um, especially a lot of my teammates. You know, they come to this city and they don't know much outside of the little block around the Hyatt. <laughs> you know, um, for me, it it spreads. You know, obviously all the way to Eldorado Hills, where I'm from, and uh, there's so many great areas to live. And and you know, this is this will always you know be my home. So um, my family's still here brother-in-law my sister their my nephews are here you know it's it's uh it'll always be home so i'll always kind of have some sort of a bias towards towards at least sacramento you know um sacramento life you know um so i mean it's this is my home yeah all right you guys have had a rough season you know a lot like the kings have had a rough season is there anything that you can put your finger on besides the injuries that you could say that what what's happened here right yeah i mean I think that we we have so much talent. Yeah, we've we've gone through, you know, the, the list of of kind of excuses this year. Whether it's going through a new system or, like you said, injuries or, um, you know, it's it's something that this this group. You know, it's been a, a rough year. It's been something that we we haven't ex- we didn't expect. We we had really really big intentions for this year and this season and. 
you know, sometimes it doesn't doesn't happen as you plan, you know. But uh, uh, I'll tell you what, like the next the last 16 games we're going to play, we're going to fight and we're going to battle and we're going to uh, – yeah, we, we know that we're so much better than our record and so much better than we've been playing. Um, it would be nice to, to figure something out in the next 16 games, just at least playing at a certain consistency of, of tempo and pace. When you look at the Kings team that you're going to play tonight, so much drama, so much, you know, mm. it's always chaos, it seems like. Yeah. But you're a free agent this summer. Is it a deterrent just looking from the outside in on all the things that have happened here and sort of the the way things are going, or does a new arena and potentially new coaches and talent like play into that? Um, you know, I'll just say this. I think that there's drama everywhere. You know, every team faces it, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, I, Sacramento has had, a, a, you know, a magnitude of different things, you know. I think that, uh, you know, it's for me personally – you know, it's something that I'm, I'm, uh, you want to walk with me, sorry. <coughs> For me personally, it's, you know, when free agency comes this summer, that's when I'm going to be focused on, on all that. And I'm going to weigh out the pros and cons of a lot of different places. You know, I think that's a benefit of being a, a unrestricted free agent, you know, so for me, I'm, uh, you know, I'm just going to, I'm playing out the rest of the season, playing as hard as I possibly can. And, and, uh, I'm really just keeping my options open, you know, it's, but it's hard to think about anything right now. You know what I mean? It's hard to think about next year or plans for anything, but, um, you know, it's, um, but I, I will say that, you know, every team has its own, you know, issues, you know what I mean? All right, next up, we have a very good conversation. Again, a short interview with assistant coach Corliss Williamson, who was right there in the thick of it while DeMarcus Cousins was losing his cookies against George Carl. Uh, he's a guy who's been around the league. He knows the league. He knows a lot about DeMarcus Cousins. He's coached him for three years. And uh, let's roll tape with Corliss Williamson and sort of his approach on DeMarcus Cousins and whether or not the NBA has turned soft. How are you holding up with this season and the way that it's kind of gone sideways here and, you know, sort of the animosity that's building in around this team? Uh, I mean, you have to, you know, be a professional about things. So we come in every day to work, trying to get the guys to continue to compete, uh, to work hard to get better. Um, you know, there, there are all type of distractions you can have during the season. So, um, it's a test of our character and how we can deal with it and, and try to move forward. And that's that's our job as coaches is to try to help this team move forward and, and continue to try to get better and play the right way. You're like watching the blow up between Demarcus and George. You're the guy who's standing there in the in the huddle trying to calm things down. Is that been your role with this team a lot of the time to sort of be peacemaker and sort of what you were as a player? Um, sort of. I mean, you know, being a guy that's, that, that played in – I had my emotional outburst <laughs> as a player as well, you know, with, with different players and things of that nature. So uh, we, we have a different rela- I have a different relationship with the players. Uh, me and AC, you know, haven't played. So uh, we try to talk to them on a different level. And, you know, when, when things happen, you know, uh, if we see fit where we can step in and say some things to try to calm the situation, then, you know, that, that's part of our job. DeMarcus specifically you spend a lot of time with because you're – 
one of the big men coaches. You work a lot with him. You have seen guys like him before that run hot, that have a lot of emotion. How hard is it to to keep him in check and sort of make things positive and push forward with him? You know, it's uh, you know he, he's a competitor and he wants to win. And you know, sometimes he uh, you know kind of loses it uh, on the court. Uh, I think he's gotten better over the years. Um, you know, it's an area he has to continue to grow in. Um, you know, and that's like you said, that's part of my job. Our job as a staff is to to help him grow through these uh, type of situations. Um, you know, um, like I told him before, I know how it is when, when when things get heated and you're upset. It's hard for people to calm you down. So you know, you just try to find different ways to uh, to express yourself or to, to deflect the situation and, and try to move forward and continue to play. The league is different now than when you played. I mean, it, and it's not even that long ago that you were a player, but when you look at the way that the league has changed, I mean, I, I've seen the video of you throwing down with Derek Coleman. And, I mean, how we haven't even seen that from DeMarcus, the throwdown, the rolling around on the ground, fighting somebody. How much has the league changed to where sort of it's so hypervigilant, everyone's looking at you, you're in such a fishbowl, and everyone's watching you? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's changed a lot. You know, uh, some of us older guys, we say it's, it's softer than when we played. And I'm sure the guys that played before me say the same thing about my generation. But, um, you know, like you say, everything is so real time as far as uh, social media, all the cameras, the replays. So the league has really cracked down on those type of situations. And, um, you know, you can't play as physical as you used to. You know, freedom of movement has been an emphasis for years. So. Uh, they've kind of taken that part of the physical part of the game out of it, and you know it's it's been exciting for the fans. You see more things from different players in that in that sense, but you know it, it is different. You know, running through the lane back in the day, you were going to get checked or hit a couple of times. Now the guys get to run through with freedom. So um, even though it makes it for um, a more entertaining game, I think as a coach you don't like it as much because you would like for guys to be able to play a little more physical than they do. All right, the season's winding down, and this has been a disappointing season. I mean, I think by all accounts. How surprised are you that this season has spun out and become sort of this type of season? I mean, it's, it's very surprising. I mean, um, you know, going to training camp, I know everyone was optimistic about our chances of um, having a good season, continuing to improve each year, um, and just to see how things kind of turn. You know, it's, uh, uh, it, it's surprising. Uh, it's been frustrating disappointing. But, I mean, you still, we still have to come in and work every day and still try to build towards the future. Hopefully, uh, we, we can take some steps and learning from, you know, some of our mishaps from this season and, and try to move forward and figure out how to get better. Can you guys finish the season strong? I believe we can. You know, it just takes one win. We've lost, you know, the feeling of winning. We, we don't know what it feels like to win. It's been a while. So, you know, if our guys, if we can find a way to win a game, then, you know, you carry that momentum until the next one. Of course, when you lose and then you lose again, you have, and you're on losing streaks, it seems like that day never comes. So, hopefully, our guys will continue to stay positive. We'll continue to work and push them to, to achieve that. And when we get this next win, I think we can, you know, see a little daylight and hopefully move forward and continue to work out this season. All right, so let's welcome in Aaron Bruski. Aaron, Hoopball.com, the big Hoopball.com doctor. What's going on, Aaron Bruski? That's hoop-ball.com to you, sir. Uh, it's going. I don't know what direction you'd like to talk about these kings here today. They're um, a dumpster fire. It's I don't a know hot what mess. To... Hot mess. It's it's you know all this stuff. 
is really, really old and stale. So what new ground are we going to cover here? Well, let's touch base with Ryan Anderson first. We've talked about Ryan Anderson in the past, but I mean, you've heard the interview with Ryan Anderson and, you know, I'll say this, there's not a nicer guy in the league. He is truly a gentleman. Um, He is very much Sacramento. And I think Kings fans would more than welcome him with open arms. They would love to have him here. He's a very dangerous three-point shooter. He's your your prototypical stretch four, um, probably more of a impact player off the bench like what he does for New Orleans than in any other role just because that's the style of play that he, he kind of tailors his game to. Um, but Aaron, could you see a three big rotation of DeMarcus Cousins, Willie Cauley-Stein, and Ryan Anderson working in Sacramento? Yeah, from a pure X's and O's standpoint, I think that's an ideal combination for those three. Now, we'll disagree on whether or not he's worth his current contract in New Orleans. I think the guys in New Orleans might be split on that, whether or not he's actually performed up to par. Yes, there's some inflation built into this new big man marketplace, but uh, I'm guessing the Kings are going to overpay by probably $5 million a year. That's my estimation, but there's some definite intangibles that come into play here that if you're going to overspend for a guy, this is the kind of guy, um, not necessarily on the health front, but just on the the mindset. I mean, you, you can tell he really wants to play in Sacramento. Uh, you know, I've never met anybody that said a cross word about him. Um, the In fact, you know, if you want to even take it to a, a, a level of levity, you got to go check out his Clark Griswold uh, New Orleans Pelicans Christmas video. He he really takes Clark Griswold to the next level. Um, you know, in all seriousness, though, having somebody that wants to play in Sacramento right now might be worth the overpay. But I do have concerns about his health. I have concerns that Alvin Gentry doesn't trust him on a game to game basis. But if you're going to stick him in, say, like a 25 minute role, you know, like really just say this is what he's going to do. 25 minutes off the bench, like you said. I think there's value there. I think you can squeeze the defense out of him in, in, in that smaller amount of time next to DeMarcus Cousins where teams can't really expose him because they're going to really struggle laterally against quicker, smaller teams in the NBA. I think that if you have him playing with Willie Cauley-Stein a lot and you have a more defensive-minded small forward, then I think it can work pretty well. I'll say this, like you're saying overpay for Ryan Anderson. And and I think I would like to clarify, I think overpaying for Ryan Anderson, you're not going to have to pay more for Ryan Anderson because you're the Sacramento Kings like you would with most players, because that's kind of the way it's gone. The Sacramento Kings have to overpay a little bit for everyone because they are the Sacramento Kings. I I think Anderson, he wants to play in Sacramento. He loves Sacramento. Uh, his like he like he said his his family lives here. His sister lives here. His brother in law. They've got they've got nephews here. He's got nephews here. He would love to come home. And you know again he he played. He won a state championship at uh, at Arco Arena, and he played there. I think he said in eighth grade he played his first game at Sleep Train, and um, so I think overpaying is is a term that we're going to use because. Everyone's going to get overpaid this this coming season. I mean, Chris Middleton got fifteen million dollars a year last year. Uh, He's and, been worth every penny of that. By but Damari Carroll got fifteen million dollars a year yes last year. The overpaying, I, I think, at this point is kind of a an interesting statement because I, I don't think that they're when you go into this new CBA, there's going to be a lot of money thrown around. Well, the the way the salary cap is jumping so extensively. 
Uh, I think there's a lot of money that's going to be floated around, and you might end up paying between 15 and $20 million a year for Ryan Anderson, which sounds absolutely ridiculous. But we're talking about monopoly money at this point. I mean, they're just printing money in the NBA office because of the new TV deal. And it's not just this year. It's going to it's gonna go from, what are they saying, like 80, 88 million? Is that where they're projecting between 88 and like 90, 91, 92? And then the year after, it's going to go up to like 102 million or 105 million and 108 million. I mean, we're talking just crazy money where even a, a 10, 15, like, you know, even if, you know, DeMarcus Cousins will be one of the biggest discounts in the NBA. So I think you're going to have to pay fair market value for Ryan Anderson, which might be overpaying, but really, you know, I compare him a little bit to Jamal Crawford's contracts. And, you know, Jamal Crawford during his heyday when he was really good and he was the best, the best backup point guard in the league, he was making between 11 and, and $13 million a year. And then if you prorate that, you extrapolate it out over today's numbers. I think realistically, 15 to $18 million is actually fair for Ryan Anderson. It just seems like a lot of money. I'm Just to be clear for all my listeners, because I, I take my predictions very seriously, uh, I'm normalizing for the cap when I say all this stuff. And um, I'm most concerned about the third and or fourth year he gets on the deal you know, having him be like a fifth of your salary cap down the road would be the primary concern at that point. Um, you know, a lot can happen between now and then. Maybe, um, maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe it becomes an asset that can be traded. Who knows? Um, I'm, I'm at that point. I guess I'm not sipping the Kool Aid uh, as far as you know whatever that number ends up being. I would probably be comfortable if it's a three-year deal, paying a little bit more. Uh, on a four-year deal, I definitely would want that per year somewhere in the 13 to $15 million range before I personally would pull the trigger on it because then uh, if you're going 16, 17 million for four years, you know, that at the end of that deal, like I said, it'll be about a fifth of the cap and uh, serious concerns about his ability to contribute uh, currently, let alone in four years. But again, this is a guy that wants to be in Sacramento, I think you could probably squeeze two really good years out of him no matter what. And um, he does complement DeMarcus Cousins' game, and you do have Willie Cauley-Stein there to mix and match because 25 minutes with DeMarcus Cousins, I think that they can survive. But if it starts to be 30 minutes with DeMarcus Cousins, then I think you see a team like the Hornets where they've got a guy like Marvin Williams. Those guys have just been bombing over the top of any big lineup that they've gotten. And that's a pretty mediocre Eastern Conference team in a league that's doing exactly what those guys are doing for the most part. Yeah, but Marvin Williams has a track record, a huge track record of absolutely sucking. And he's I mean, great this year. <laughs> yeah, but still, I mean, he has. And, and who's. He doesn't have DeMarcus Cousins behind him. I mean, no, but point being is that's the kind of a low end forward that's really like you take a look at the the um, pardon me the Indiana Pacers who had a great success with Jan Mahimi and Miles Turner in their starting lineup, and they actually got knocked out of that lineup and really set off their game where they had great success with a bigger, too big lineup that probably has the same type of mobility as, as a as a Cousins and Anderson lineup, and they just got knocked out of it the other day because. It's hard, and you see this with Willie Cauley-Stein as his deficiency. It's hard for the big guys to cover the three-point shot. It's not part of their DNA. It's something that they have to learn over time. It's been a huge problem for this Kings defense, and that 
you know, is a lot has to do with the scheme that George Carl runs. But again, you know, DeMarcus Cousins is not very comfortable defending the three point line. Uh, Ryan Anderson's not very comfortable defending the three point line. And this is a league that shoots three. So you have Willie Colley Stein to mitigate that. If you're if you're projecting him to play 25 minutes, kind of like he's doing in New Orleans right now and you're realistic about it, I think I could get behind it for the first two years. We'll just see how big the overpay is. Yeah, I mean, he's 30, I mean, he's 28 years old. So, I mean, it's very possible he could go, he could be fully functional all four years. It's possible he could be fully functional for three of the four before he starts to dip a little bit. I mean, you just don't really know. And uh, he he's a high character guy, high character guy in the locker room, a guy who wants to win, guy who's been very dedicated as a as a teammate and everything else he, he is considered a good guy so you can't have enough good guys in your locker room and if you're the sacramento kings you can't have you can't have enough shooters and he's a guy who shoots from a position of need now i know we've talked about tobias harris being you know an option in the past it, he's a guy that the kings chased in free agency he's also a guy that the kings chased at the trade deadline from my sources and uh and he's a guy that I think is is sort of Ryan Anderson in a nutshell, except for I think Ryan Anderson is a little bit better team player. And I, I think that that is a, a big thing. You know, I asked the Orlando guys when they were through, like, why did you guys give up Tobias Harris for like, for nothing really, for the expiring contracts of, of Brandon Jennings and Ilasova? And the answer was that Tobias Harris doesn't make anyone any better at all. Yes, and he doesn't care to. Everyone likes him. He's a nice guy, but he is just what he is. He's a black hole, and he's not making anyone better. They compared him a little bit to Rudy Gay, and my only thing with Rudy Gay that would separate him and Rudy Gay is I really believe that, number one, Rudy Gay can take you. Uh, he's more fluid of an athlete, number one, but number two, Rudy Gay's assist numbers are way down this year because Rondo controls everything. Uh, before this year, Rudy Gay was actually not a bad passer, you know, for his career. And even uh, last season, he had a very good assist year. He's a guy that you can actually run a little bit of offense through if that's what you're doing, but that's not what the Kings are doing this year. So yeah, I, I thought that that was an interesting comparison, but um, a similar player that the Kings have chased and they like that idea of a stretch for a big time shooter and, and score next to DeMarcus Cousins, whether it's as a starter or, or off the bench. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. And the fit, you know, it's there. They just, the defense, I, I got to see, uh, I don't know. I just got to see more out of Cousins. I got to see more uh, out of whoever the next coach is. You know, I, I for me to buy a Cousins-Anderson defensive front court, I am needing to see a lot more out of Cousins because I know what Anderson is going to do. He's going to be Ryan Anderson and, so that's going to be really, it's going to be incumbent upon Cousins to really be a mover in space. And he's shown flashes of that. And that's, I think, probably the bigger issue with this franchise is where DeMarcus is with his, uh, his frustration levels and who that next coach is and what are they doing. Uh, it's been a wasted year, you know? Oh, yeah, certainly. You, you just threw kerosene on, on a dumpster fire uh, all season long. Um, I don't know what direction you want to spin with that. I know we had Corliss on the show. Yeah, so, um, let's hop into Corliss. talk about that. Yeah, let's hop into, into Corliss first before we go anywhere else. Um, Corliss, of course, was right there. He's in the heat of it while DeMarcus Cousins was 
was losing his mind uh, aimed at George Carl. Now, again, like you can have all kinds of approaches on how how you view DeMarcus Cousins in that situation. I know a lot of Kings fans have said on the record, I'm done, I'm done, I can't deal with DeMarcus anymore, trade him. You know, I, I think the the sentiment with some of my friends over at Sacktown Royalty is to really turn on DeMarcus at this point or, or to say that he's on his way out and, and to say all of these things. Uh, here's, like, in a nutshell, let me, let's, let's clarify a couple of things before we get to, to Corliss. George Carl is leaving at the end of the year. Like, we've been pretty clear about that, that, that it's not like a, it's a done deal. It's a done deal. This is George's last run in Sacramento, that he won't be the coach of the Sacramento Kings. Now, we're not like, like making something up here. We're not calling for George Carl to be fired. We're just telling you what's there. We all know it. It's been very clear to us from our conversations behind the scenes that George Carl is done in Sacramento, that this is it, that this is his last run. So you're starting to see that sneak out a little bit with other national media guys jumping on it like, oh my gosh, George Carl's out. George Carl's been out for, for a couple of, for a couple of, like a month, right? So that's where we're at. And so there's a very good shot that DeMarcus Cousins is back in Sacramento. He wants to be in Sacramento. He's actively like going to help recruit players like Ryan Anderson to come to Sacramento. He wants his team to be better. Now, whether he gets that chance or not is really going to come down to Vlade Divac. And again, you're seeing all this stuff that Vlade is going to hire a GM and all that. Vlade Divac is not hiring a GM. He's not. He's going to hire a salary cap slash, you know, general toolbox guy for the front office to help out. He might even hire two, but he's not hiring a new GM from what I've been told. He will be making all basketball decisions for the Sacramento Kings going forward. He loves DeMarcus Cousins. He's been disappointed with what's happened over the last couple of weeks with Cousins, which we're getting to right now. But these are things that are kind of, they've kind of been thrown out there in different ways over the last couple of weeks. And I just want to clarify that. I mean, am I off base on any of that, Aaron? Uh, the only thing is, is that I am calling for him to be let go. I, I, I don't <laughs> think that because I think that the Kings are damaging their franchise with every game that they go out there like this. I mean, Ryan Anderson, hometown guy, will love to play for the Kings. Not that many guys are lining up to play for this dumpster fire right now. And you also have an honor to the fans that work so hard to keep the team that it just it gets it kind of just I see the the G man with his really excellent commercial I mean I don't know you could make a better commercial narrating uh, just kind of what's gone gone down in the arena and what fans have done to keep the team and to put that product out on the floor is disrespectful to the many many people I covered that gave three years four years ten years of their lives it feels like to try to keep the team in Sacramento and you notice a couple things with Corliss and more or less anybody that's close to this team or covers this team in any sort of respectable manner is it's that whole Chris Rock bit. You know, it's like, DeMarcus, don't do that. Don't do that. But I understand, you know, we get it. We get it. Like you're the only guy that's going to flip out about it. You're the only guy that's going to lose your, your marbles over it. (laughs) But nobody, nobody's like, Demarcus, that you know, that's completely dumb. They're like, that's halfway dumb. Actually, but, it's it's not that he's dumb at all. It's that his delivery's his delivery's poor. Yeah, his his he's coming the from message, the right place. The message is right. The delivery is wrong, 
And and DeMarcus knows that. I've actually had that conversation with him. He knows that, that the delivery is wrong and he can't keep doing it that way. That he's just, you know, he makes himself look bad. Getting caught on TV makes him look bad. Um, you know, again, having having reporters calling for DeMarcus to apologize to George Carl. Egads. Uh, that's, that's a sad state of affairs. And Egads. You can't. There's a reason oh. newspapers are going out of business. The, um, <laughs> the, the long and the short of this is, is these guys are getting scarred right now. And they're, I, I don't know how you recover certain things. And if you wait until next year to develop these guys, you're more or less prolonging you're, whoever the new coach is. It's going to take two to three months to get the stink off, off of the situation and make no mistake. Listeners, there's no defense for this. This is the worst coaching job I've ever seen. And it's not even close. And it's to the point where you just expect the most ridiculous thing to happen. And it's going to happen. I, I, you know what? I think you have got kind of got to that point where you do expect you're like, oh man, you know what? I can't imagine that this would happen. And then next thing you know, you know, the lineup on the floor is, is Seth Curry, James Anderson, um, Karan Butler, Quincy AC and, and Costa Cupas. And you're like, wait a sec. I, I thought I had a nightmare that that happened. And there it is. Uh, I, yeah, I, I'm not sure. What? So, but with DeMarcus, you, you've got to then kind of just look at, well, what's going on with him right now? You, he's the subject of all these, you know, the stuff that's, you know, local. Sacktown Royalty is great. They know their stuff. But like when you get further away from Sac, or, pardon me, Sacramento, you just get these weird pieces. And a lot of them are from George. And it's it's ugly out there. There's this talk about trading him. And my question for all of these people is when there's not a single person in the league that thinks that George Carl has done even a remotely good job this year, why would you let the remnants of the Pete D'Alessandro era dictate what you do with your franchise player? 25 years old. When you're about to sell him for 50 cents on the dollar. And yes, Cousins has all these flaws and all these these issues that he's got to overcome. But I'm like the people covering the team are... Doug Christie, who everybody loves and everybody thinks has a great point of view on this team, loses his marbles on the CSN telecast about once every three weeks to hilarious effect. Bobby Jackson, who everybody knows and loves, who's been with DeMarcus forever, loses his marbles on the telecast. (laughs) You know, like watching, it is actually, you know, there's inside the NBA and then there's the CSN telecast. As far as like one, two in my mind in terms of pure entertainment value. Because after every loss, you guys all just look at each other and try to figure <laughs> out new things to say, and you're hilarious about it. I, and, I, it's tough, Aaron. I don't, I don't know how. I, I mean, oh, it, I, it's it's incredibly put makeup tough. on a pig. You're pig. I'm, yeah. What new? What new can I say? Like, thirty games in, you go to George Carl and you say, "Hey, man, this stuff you're doing, it's crazy, and you got to change it." And then that doesn't happen. Hey, I've talked to I've talked to Doug extensively about all of this, and not to speak for him, but he and Vlade both believe that Demarcus Cousins is Chris Weber and Vlade Divac wrapped into one player. They believe that he has everything that those two players had on the court, not off the court. On the court, he's more Chris off the court. He's more Chris Weber than he is Vlade Divac, but that he has the whole package that 
No one has ever seen a player that can dribble like this. His hesitation dribble is just shocking. I mean, I I talk to scouts. I talk to other coaches. They're watching and they're like, I can't believe a dude that big can do what he can do. I mean, he just sets up everyone with hesitations, crossovers. I mean, it's just nuts what he can do with the ball. And his scoring, I mean, he can shoot from the outside. He can shoot from the inside. Uh, he's probably better going on the inside and doing a more refined game from the inside, uh, but you know which we've talked about ad nauseum. But the fact is, you can't waste any more of his years, and you have to put the pieces. It's not just the pieces; you have to put the structure in place around him. And Corliss is one of the structural pieces that have been there to hold him up and to be supportive of him. But, you know, I had someone on Twitter, which, uh, again, I, I like you, Steve. Uh, I, I'm just going to say that. But you, uh, uh, the Kings had been offered Russell and uh, and what's his name from the Lakers uh, oh. and, and Julius Randle. They right. had been offered that for DeMarcus Cousins. And, and Steve Tuck on Twitter said, well, at least they would be building towards something. And that's something you'd be building on sand, people. Those two aren't a future, not at all. Those two aren't. They're they're bad players on a bad team. That's what they are. They're not uh, even Ed good. Russell's players on already that team. a handful for the people in L.A. He's and, a and that's nightmare. what a lot of people don't realize. This is a salient point. A lot of people don't realize that a lot of these guys are handfuls. They just aren't as demonstrative about it. They aren't as known for it. It just doesn't bleed out them on out of their face at every second. The they're, they're not magnified by a franchise that has had all of these various issues. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean, you look, look at Draymond Green. Like, he went just berserk on Steve Kerr the other day. But winning, franchi- winning franchise, winning. And yeah, Draymond deserves a benefit of the doubt there. But the point is, I think you, you cannot let Pete D'Alessandro's mistake to hire George Carl to force George Carl down everybody's throat including Vivek. Vivek did not want George Carl. Vivek basically put his hands up in the air after a, a month of total chaos, which he was he was sold a bill of goods that said, Ty Corbin can be better than Michael Malone. That was from Pete D'Alessandro. That, that decision resulted in chaos and a major push for George Carl, which he reluctantly agreed to. So if you want to let that string of terrible decisions be the thing that dictates whether or not you keep DeMarcus Cousins at 50 cents on the dollar. Be my guest. Yeah, and I've been I've been told the I, o- only way, the only way they, they get rid of DeMarcus is if the deal is just so incredible off the charts. No one believes that deal is coming, but the deal would have to be so incredibly good, not just for today, but for tomorrow, because the Kings are moving into a new building. Right. And, I mean, it's going to have to be, like, off the charts. And even then... Vlade is going to look at it and say, but can I make the the necessary tweaks? Can I can I add a Ryan Anderson? Can I take uh, the seventh pick in the draft and package it with, you know, Ben McLemore, Costa Kufis, Marco Bellinelli, and go get myself a legitimate starting shooting guard? Um, can I take Rudy Gay and change him into a different style of, of small forward if that's what they decide to do? You know, there are all of these angles that, that Vlade has to look at but it really comes down to he doesn't have to do anything with DeMarcus anytime soon. DeMarcus is under contract all through this year. 
all through next year and all through the year after that. And so you really have, you have until maybe the trade deadline next year or even the next summer to really make a decision on what you want to do. And the decision could be made for you where you have to move him. Um, but I don't see his value going down any further than what it is right now. I think it can go way up. And I also believe that next summer, the Kings very well could ink him to a new extension if things go absolutely swimmingly because he does want to stay here. He he loves to be here in Sacramento. He would like to make this a long-term place, but it has to be right for him. And he's starting to realize that it has to be right for him. I kind of look at this as I think the Kings have to avoid big mistakes here. And with DeMarcus, because things are so toxic, that's why this last 15 games are so massively important. Why they should take action yesterday on this front is you got to start turning this around. And for DeMarcus, it's like one foot in front of the other. He needs a good coach to come in and start getting that respect and start making positive steps in what's going to be a long-term rehabilitative project for him to start giving that type of effort that people expect out of their franchise player on a consistent consistent basis without regard to what's going on around him. No more frustration stuff. No more this. No more that. That's what the fans want. That's why the fans are voting, you know, whatever, a little bit over 50% to get rid of him in in certain polls. He's got to take those steps. So what what do you got to do this offseason to put him in a position to take those steps? One, you got to make the right decision at coach. Now, that's probably not as important as two. You got to not re-sign Rajon Rondo. He has been a (laughs) terrible influence on the way this team plays the game of basketball. He's not displayed great basketball IQ. He flings the ball around the yard. That is one of the biggest problems this team has. They don't respect the ball. They don't take advantage of situations that they should take advantage of. He is by and large, very interested in getting his statistics. I've not seen anything in in his play that makes me think otherwise. And you have a good point guard at a great price that you can play money ball with what you didn't do with Isaiah Thomas, which I told you guys to do is, is pay this small amount of money for, and in Isaiah's case, a really good player. But in Darren's case, a good player, somebody that I think you can at least hold down the fort with and then focus your attention on shooting guard. Now, when you have a lineup of, of, of Darren Collison, a new shooting guard, you get buy-in from Rudy Gay, you have Ryan Anderson and DeMarcus Cousins. Now you're starting to look at some stuff. You have Omri Caspi as a backup. You've got a Swiss Army knife in that regard. You probably want to go out and get a really strong perimeter defender shooting guard that may be a little bit undervalued but you go out and you get them and now all of a sudden you have a really compelling starting five you might have to do some work to get a backup point guard because who knows if seth curry can swing it but those are pieces that you can fill everything else you could get rid of costa kufos you can get rid of marco bellinelli you can trade ben mackamore or you could keep ben mackamore as something off the bench that might do better in a non-chaotic situation. Again, not selling low on the guy, but getting a a decent framework in place so you can actually see what this guy can do. I mean, this guy's been through hell and back. Let's see what the kid can do when he's not being constantly tortured by his surroundings. Yeah, I'm not going to fully, full-fledged endorse your your decision to part ways with Rondo. Um, I, I think that that is still up for a major debate. I know it's gotta be the right situation for it to work 
in similar way that has to be the right situation for DeMarcus Cousins to work. What we do know is that the situation that they're in currently is not the right situation for any of them. I mean, because basically, again, uh, we we try not to we're trying not to beat this down with the same thing every week when it comes to the defensive switching and all that. But, you know, when players are starting to talk about it in the locker room and they're literally, I'm not going to not name names, but they're literally saying they won't let us show on the pick and roll. It we are we're we're supposed to step back and put a hand out and not show on the pick and roll. When the players are finally coming forward and saying, "Look, the scheme we just can't win with," it, that's a huge issue. And so I kind of want to see what this team looks like, which is uh, very similar to what Vlade has said in the past, and what I know to be some of the the inner workings of the Kings are saying too. We kind of want to see how good this team could be with somebody who does just just conventional and does things right and does things that make sense and that's not what we've had and this year you know again if you had Michael Malone running this team what would they look like what would Rondo look like would he look that bad or would there be a, a different feel I would be I would be very interested to find that out and you know one way you could do that let him go it, play for the Denver Nuggets. No, no, no. That, <laughs> well, you know, I've always thought what it, what it would look like if you were to trade Mike Malone for George Carl, but I don't think Denver's doing that anymore. Um, the uh, is you have fifteen some odd games or whatever the number is. Move the coach and see what you have in Rondo. See what you have in a lot of these guys. Yeah, but there's no way we talked about. It. There's no way to install a new defense. And a new offense. I just all, firmly disagree with that. There, there's like, no time. There's no time. There's no. What do you, What do you think they're running right now? Well, I'm just telling you, like there is no like practice days between now and the end of the season to institute an entire new defensive scheme and offensive scheme. I mean, basically, you're talking about rewriting the principles of what they're playing with. So while you could try to institute new sets, you would have players doing one thing and then slipping into the other thing and and but going look back. Look at the and Grizzlies. Look at the Grizzlies right now. They're out there playing with a 10-day Ray McCallum, who's still struggling. Kings fans, sorry, I hate to break that to you. Um, Matt Barnes, Jamichael Green, and Lance Stevenson, who just got done with the Clippers. They're making it work. Well, they're making it work because they have a system in place that you plug and play. No, you put a guy in they, and they, you say, this is what I need you to do Dave, tonight. Dave Yeager wasn't even, he didn't even know Briante Weber's name the other day. He was calling out his number. <laughs> like, hey, my point hey, is this is the like. The Kings just got lit up by Tim Frazier. Tim Frazier signed a 10-day yeah, contract that morning. He had he never played with a single player on that roster. He didn't know anyone. He didn't know the playbook. They handed him an iPad and said, hey, study up. And he went out and dropped 14 points and nine assists on the Kings and he played 28, 29 minutes. I mean, my point is, there's nothing you could do that's worse than what they're doing right now. There's not a single thing that you could do, and it's completely damaging the franchise. Like, I, I think personality-wise, if they were to make the switch, there might be like a pressure release here. Like the team might go, okay, let's try to get through this and let's try to finish this. Um, as of right now, I mean, they're saying let's try to finish this, but not 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 let's try to get through this. This. This is over. It's done. So maybe they could take some of the the bad karma surrounding the team, uh, which is funny because George talks about that all the time. The negativity and everything else, and it's and now it's sort of he's fed into that as well, 
but to take that and the pressure and, and just pull back and, and to remove him and just have somebody try to control the ship down the stretch. I mean, that it's actually, it makes sense to me. And, and I'm not going to argue against that, but I, you know, like 30 games ago, I, I don't know how you, if you're, if you're still in it and you still think you have a shot be, before they went on this losing stretch where they've what, they've lost 10 out of 12 now, right? Before that, I mean, they were still in it and it's tough to like say, let's scrap everything. Now at this point, I, I mean, I, I think giving these players a break would actually be a, not, not a bad thing. Yeah, I, I mean, we could disagree on the whole scheme thing. I just, I mean, to me, I go run the flex offense that we all learned in high school. Like it to me, or spread them out, go one on, you know, go four flat and and do that every every time down the court, or pick a fan out of the stands and say, hey, draw up your favorite play. Like run that. <laughs> I, I don't think it. Or Rajon Rondo. Yeah. yeah. Or I'm not even kidding. You could let Rajon Rondo run the team in the way that he saw fit, and it would be. F- 50 times better than what's going on right now. I don't and, know 50 times, but I think it actually... Well, how much did they lose by? 20? I, I think the 20 <sighs> that was, times. That was 20 bad. Times. That was bad. I, I mean... It, that's a D-League team out there. Anthony Davis and Ryan Anderson both got hurt during the game. They weren't at 100%. Uh, Tony Douglas. You guys remember Tony Douglas? Yeah, he was the Sacramento King. He's He's been kicking around the league forever. He was a main player. Uh, I don't know how, why he, he doesn't stick places because he's a defensive-minded point guard who can hit a, hit, hit a three. I kind of like Tony Douglas. I, I don't. He's a real confident dude. Is that is that the issue? Yeah. I mean, he was in Sacramento at, just for, like, for no time at all. But, I mean, he doesn't seem like he was a bad dude. I, I don't know. I just, you know, you see these other teams around the league. They make, they make do with way worse than having to change one of the worst – playbooks i've ever seen in 10 years of doing this like it's i don't i just don't think you could mess it up anymore but you can also about like you want to evaluate rondo before the end of the year see if you can do it in a different defensive system you've got 15 games to do it if you want to see what you haven't been macklemore see what you haven't been. it's like a tryout and it's also keeping the fire from like no free agent is going to want to have anything to do with this but if the kings go eight and eight nine and seven you know heaven forbid they go on a winning streak you know, I think you can turn the narrative with the remaining amount of time that helps you in free agency, that helps you with the players that are currently being just totally disenfranchised. And most importantly, it helps turn the big ship that is DeMarcus Cousins. That takes a long time to turn this ship in the ocean. It, you just start turning it this year instead of waiting until <laughs> November to start turning the ship. Yeah, and, and I'm going to say this too. The one other thing I will I will point to that I think the Kings really need to do, and I do think they, okay, they have to put a structure in place around DeMarcus that makes sense, and they need a mentor for him that's with him all the time. That's that's saying, look, big fella, like you can't do that at practice. What you're doing here, this is why it's wrong, and this is how you can't do that anymore. And you know when he blows up. Everyone else moved to the other court. We're going to work this out and, and leave DeMarcus out of it for a few. They need that guy. They need a mentor. Uh, they also need someone who can coach uh, man-on-man defense. And so basically what I'm saying is Doug Christie would actually be a really, really nice fit to be a— uh, I get a, a lot of questions about Doug. An assistant coach and a mentor to DeMarcus. And, and not only that, but you can see it on the telecast. Doug— is has not given up on DeMarcus and he does not want to give up on DeMarcus. He loves 
the fire and the passion and everything else. And he thinks, you know, all of these guys, you know, like uh, Karan Butler has written the book on, you know, having a tough life going through and making mistakes. And, and you know, the Tough Juice book is, is from what I know, it's spectacular and it's being made into a movie by Mark Wahlberg. Um, but that that story is so many other players' story as well. And a lot of these guys have made huge mistakes in their careers and in their lives. And, you know, Doug is freely, he talks about it openly. Like, I've made all kinds of mistakes. I mean, you got to remember that that Doug was drafted and refused to sign his rookie contract and sat out the first six months of his career. I mean, there are all kinds of mistakes that these guys make that they can come in and say, look, man, I've been through it. I've been through all that you've been through, and I can help you get through some of this. And I think we've seen some of the influence of, again, Karan Butler and and Rondo on Cousins this year. He's been much, much, much better. And, and I mean, I think that's the crazy thing. The The problem is that, is that when he gets angry, he is a little bit like the Incredible Hulk. He, he can't stop. He can't say, okay, I'm just going to take a deep breath and count to 10 uh, like, like some toddlers can do. He... He doesn't have that switch inside, and so you need someone there to like, literally, almost slap him in the face and say, "Wake up! Snap out of it!" And I, you know, I think there's a mentor out there that could actually work with him and do some great work. It doesn't the Hulk in like the Marvel uh, movies? Doesn't he have one of the characters? Is his like calm down character? Yeah, him and uh, Scarlett Johansson. Is it Scarlett? Yeah, Yeah, Scarlett. I I thought of a name, though, that I thought I'd throw out there that I think would be an interesting pickup for the Kings in that regard would be uh, Chris Anderson. Hmm. I don't know. The the arrests for meth and, and, you know, that was that time where he was actually I'm just saying Pat, Pat Riley likes him. And Pat Riley knows his stuff. But he traded him. He gave him up. I mean, yeah, because Pat. I mean, because Birdman's got no knees. Like, well, you they saw needed to save some money too. I mean, that's, they, I mean, they, but, you look at Memphis. Memphis needed him to come in and play minutes. He lasted one game, <laughs> and and you watch him run, and I don't even think he could. He's like worse than Mike Miller. But in terms of a guy that might command some street cred, you know, like he's been there, done that. You know, played with the best, won a chip. Um, well, I mean, they had Reggie Evans who did that last year for them too. I mean, they did, and and Reggie actually did some good work with him. He he did reach him, and shared experiences are a big thing for Demarcus. And uh, you know, we've kind of got sidetracked. And the on internet the internet would cases. go crazy over that, by the way. Oh yeah, I you're probably right. I, I I just think that the Kings are in a position where they can make trades for players who have no choice to come here, and they might be able to get Ryan Anderson to <laughs> come to Sacramento because he loves Sacramento. And they may get a draft pick because the draft pick has no choice but to come to Sacramento. But the way that things have gone, even this year alone, unless they make a spectacular coaching hire really quickly right after the season and really have some massive excitement building for this team, I think it's going to be very difficult, very difficult to make major changes. That could be the the slogan of Sacramento. Sacramento, you're forced to come here. (laughs) <laughs> Sacramento, your NBA outpost. Um, it's it's been an outpost for a while, but at some point, you, you the talent should should actually get you somewhere. And yeah, not with Demarcus Cousins. That's the one other X factor here. Is if you're looking to play and win, you have a chance with Demarcus Cousins. A lot of these 
15 of these teams, you know you don't have a chance with DeMarcus Cousins. Yeah, you can send me all your he's never won before tweets. I get that. But he's also had some of the most ridiculous coaches I've ever heard of, as well as some of the most ridiculous franchise situations I've ever heard of. So you have to balance that out a little bit. And and then, you know, just go through everything that we've said. But, yeah, I think there's – a lot of intrigue over what happens in the next few weeks and then obviously over the summer the king's news wagon whatever you want to call it is not going to stop yeah all right so uh i want to give a shout out to uh Aikis over at sacktown royalty actually it's aiki but uh I, he wrote a piece and while i didn't agree with the basic overtone of it that it's time to trade to marcus I, I just don't agree with that that's just my personal opinion um, he did sort of bring out all of the poor decisions that have been made over the course of DeMarcus Cousins' career. And there was one summer that set this franchise back at least at least five years, and maybe even longer. And that is a year, uh, it's actually probably a decade. It's the year that Jeff Petrie decided in one summer to trade Baina Udra and the number seven pick for John Salmons and draft Jimmer for debt um, instead of drafting Kawhi Leonard or uh, Clay Thompson, who went with the exact next pick. Uh, it's that summer that they also traded Omri Caspi and a future first-round pick for J.J. Hickson. J.J. Uh, Hickson lasted until right before the trade deadline, and they, they waived him because he was such a malcontent and negative and uh so bad on the court um and that one that one off season set this franchise back so far that they're still reeling trying to get out from earning that they still haven't given up their first round pick and not only that but you have to understand when you can't you don't know if you're going to be able to if you're going to give your first round pick up or not it also means that you can't trade the next year's pick at the trade deadline to improve because you can't trade back-to-back picks in the NBA. And so it, it's literally hamstrung this this franchise. They, they have not been able to do anything of note uh, on the scale that they could have possibly done because of those moves. It really, really set this franchise back. And it cost them you know a, another great young piece the next year, and if you look at it, it's really, it's not even, a, if you look at the full, like, 365 days, they decided to take Thomas Robinson over Damian Lillard the next year, and if you could have Clay Thompson and Damian Lillard on this team with DeMarcus Cousins, I mean, seriously, it's just, it's nuts at how decisions made during the Maloof era and by, and even, it's Jeff Petrie who made most of these decisions, who was a great general manager for a long time, a great president in basketball operations, but made some really, really bad decisions down the stretch because of financial constraints and just decisions he made. Uh, it really, really crushed his franchise. Yeah, and I want to second your comments on the STR guys. There, I mean, the Sacramento media is really good, and that was one of the things that really stood out during the Kings Arena uh, saga is the the discrepancy or the 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 how good the Sacramento media was in relation to uh, some of the guys in Seattle. Their media was you know really misleading and didn't add a lot of value to what they were doing as a city there. Um, but in terms of covering this team, the STR guys are just phenomenal. That that group that the way they cover the 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 team, the angles that they cover, 
I mean, it's like a full-fledged news organization in the sense that they're covering every angle. They write really well. They always have great insight as to what's going on. And you know, you look across the media landscape. You got the guys at News 10 who do a great job. Over at 1140, do a great job. So I think Kings fans are really lucky to have a passionate media base. And in particular, when you mention the STR guys, I, I just I, I feasted on their coverage this year. It's really added a lot to what I do and, and how I understand the Kings. So shout out to all you guys. Yeah, it's always good to uh, to go through a comment section, and and some people are are crazy and wild, but there are also some really, really good point and counterpoints that come out in a long uh, a long discussion. And I think it's a good way. I've always used uh, the comment section over there as a muse. Like when you're, you're drive for stories and you've got nothing, uh, you can go in there and say, okay, what are the fans talking about? What is it that they're really wanting to know about? And that's, you know, fan-driven. The STR is a fan-driven site. They don't claim to be media members, except for Blake Ellington, who's a media member. Uh, but they they do cover it very, very well. They're on top of it. They, they do a great job of not just aggregation, but of having a conversation of, and of testing the waters on what is it that, that fans want, you know, when it comes to DeMarcus or George or, or any of these other topics. So, And they're fearless about it, too. And I really respect that, you know, in this industry, you know, frankly, it's not always out there. So when when Greg writes his clickbait articles, (laughs) I really appreciate those, Greg. (laughs) Well, and again, it's it's just different. It's why it's non-conventional media. They don't they don't have they can write those articles that may incite a player or a coach. And then they don't have to walk in and, and talk to those people the next day. And so it's just a matter of perspective. It's a different dynamic, definitely. Yeah, it is a different dynamic. All right, so uh, I think that's going to do it for this edition of the CSN Kings Insider Podcast. Aaron, do you have any final thoughts? It's beautiful out. Go hike. Highly recommend it. Take a hike, Aaron Bruski. And eh, take a hike. There it is. Uh, let me see if I were going to come up with something intriguing to throw at you. Um, I don't know. Willie Cauley-Stein's going to play a lot down the stretch. George Carl keeps telling me that. Uh, I don't know if that's actually going to happen. He told me that one night, and then he went on to play five minutes and 30 seconds. But uh, I think we've kind of got to that point where you got nothing to lose except for games. Uh, George Carl is still playing for wins, which is an intriguing concept because the Kings aren't winning, and uh, that's been a really uh, large point of contention with the, the players in the locker room. Uh, so... It's been a wild season. Stick with us. We'll be back next week. Uh, Special thanks to Ryan Anderson for joining us in the first half and Corliss Williamson as well. Corliss just keeps giving us good stuff, which I really, really appreciate. That's the second time we've had him on in a couple of weeks, but he was sort of front and center for the DeMarcus Cousins meltdown. Uh, So again, that's going to do it for this edition of the CSN Kings Insider Podcast for Aaron Bruski. I am James Hamm. Have a good day now. 